Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host as always, Alex, and with me I have Brad. How are you, Brad? Good, thanks, mate. Good to be back on. Yeah, good to have you. Good to have you. Look, it's uh, good to be past the international break. It's always a bit of a um, a killjoy, I guess, to have um, the international break. It's sort of, you know, we're getting into the swing of the season um, and then it sort of comes to a halt with that international break. So good to have football back this weekend. A few pretty important games coming up for us to, to discuss. Um, but I guess we'll start with the game that we did have before the international break against Bournemouth. First clean sheet of the season, first point since the opening day. Um, you know, I think I don't think we had any shots on target, which I guess is probably the the only downside from the performance. But against a pretty strong Bournemouth side, um, a pretty positive result, I guess. Yeah, look, I think the, the shots on target might be a bit of a concern, but against a team that's, you know, we'd be happy to get a point against, knowing you know our climb into this league and and obviously their decline. Um, I think probably the only thing that was the fact again that it was at home, but based on our recent mm-hmm. home form, a point's not a bad thing. No, for sure. I think it was um, it was it was certainly more than I was expecting going into the game. Um, in in any case, um, I, I guess the other real positive as well was that we saw Tom Huddleston start in a city shirt for the first time in must be three or four seasons now, which was um, great to see, and and he put in a pretty good performance as well. Look, he did, and and I think probably the thing that you appreciate is he's never been a pacey midfielder anyway, so that's fine, but he, he seemed to be moving well and, and that very precise passing game of his um, will only improve as he gets more and more familiar with who he's playing with. Yeah, no, that's it. And I think, look, I think we'd sort of talked over the preseason when we were umming and ahhing about whether we signed him. I think that was sort of the key that he's he's never been a particularly pacey player. So, certainly hasn't lost anything in that regard um, as it stands. So, uh, look, he was probably one of the best on the ground. Um, and I guess the key thing as well was he was he was a very um, strong presence in defence. Like I, I, There was a number of times where he was able to help clear the ball away um, from a pretty dangerous Bournemouth attack. So, you know, even I can't remember if it was Logan or it might have been Dan who'd sort of suggested that even, even if it was the case that he played in almost a centre-back, position um maybe not that deep but sort of protecting that that pretty young back four that we have um it's a pretty useful role for him to play in the side look agree mate and the one thing that we sort of were really happy with at the end of last season was we had our experienced guys the honeymans and, and so on that really led the way but it was our younger players that really pushed the whole squad up and, and having a guy who's got that experience, even if we get 20 games a year out of Huddleston this year and he's around some of those younger players, he's only going to be more and more um, uh, beneficial for the squad having a guy of that quality in there. Yeah, certainly. Um, and, and I guess sort of at the other end of that spectrum, we did have um, Tyler Smith debuted for, well, I think it was his debut for us um, up top as well, so signing from Sheffield United. Uh, looks really promising. Um, great to have another young, hungry striker in the building. Um, from all reports, Sheffield United supporters are pretty unhappy to have lost him, which um, I guess is always a good good thing when you look at it like that um, and, and looked pretty promising. So, um, you know, yeah, good, good, to have, good to have another option up forward other than Magenis Eves. He offers a little bit different, I guess. 
He does, and, and probably the thing that, I mean, not knowing who he was or really much about him, he really moved well, and, and the way mm. he sort of moved in between defenders, uh, I mean, obviously we weren't on the attack the whole game, but for a guy who, he certainly would be one of these guys that if we advanced up the table and really pushed teams in deep into their defence, he's going to be pretty crafty. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, and I guess the other one to mention as well um, is probably Matt Ingram. I mean, he he, he, can, he, he came under a bit of fire um, after the Derby performance and then also the QPR performance as well, where sort of, I guess you could say, errors uh, led to goals. But um, at the same time, I think I saw the stat that he's, he's made the most saves in the championship to this point of the season. And it sort of suggests that he's not getting a whole lot of protection from the players in front of him. So um, I don't know how much you can blame him when that one shot in 10 gets spilled and, and, and results in a goal. If he's saving the other nine, he's doing a pretty good job. So um, another really strong performance from him against Bournemouth, I'd say. Look, it was, and, and I think probably to be fair to him, like you said, he's been under the pump since day one, really. Um, and the fact that uh, he's made so many saves is probably not really that surprising when you look at our defensive efforts in in recent times. But uh, I think it was the Fulham game he made a bit of a howler. Um, but other than that, he's actually, he doesn't look out of place. And he really yeah. does appear to be a guy that you can bank on. Um, which is all we want. Yeah, no, that's it. And it's interesting as well with Baxter coming in from Chelsea. Um, I guess the presumption might have been there that whilst Ingram would get his ch- his chance first up in goal, um, ultimately it would be Baxter who would be the first choice. But um, no, Ingram certainly made that step up and is really sort of giving no reason why he should be dropped. Yeah, look, that's true. And I think, uh, again, with Baxter, in a way it may be just the depth side of it, but Ingram certainly hasn't done anything so far other than I think it might have been that Fulham game, a little bit of a howl or he was positioning wasn't good. That That's all that we've seen so far that makes you think, okay, hang on a minute, um, he, he's he's very competent. And I think the problem with Baxter, I think, is, is that uh, Baxter hasn't had a lot of league football, if I remember, when I read mm. something about him when he first signed. So at the moment he can push all he likes, but Ingram has really still got the job as long as he keeps putting in the appearances he does. Certainly, yeah. Look, also, before we, we, we'll move on to talk about the uh, the transfer window that closed, but I'll, I'll give my uh, sort of 3-2-1 votes for this game first, and then I'll grab yours as well, Brad. But it's probably that player that we've just talked about, uh, Matt Ingram, is, is getting my three votes. I think he put in a fantastic display for City um, and was really sort of key in, in keeping that clean sheet. Um For the two votes, I'll go with Tom Huddleston, another player that we've talked about who, again, was probably a pretty key figure in in keeping that clean sheet for us. And and, uh, if nothing else, and the fact that it was really great to see him in the City shirt in the starting lineup and um, really sort of justifying his place. It's not really... that There was the worry that potentially that signing him was more of a token or nostalgic sort of signing, but he's really sort of proving his worth and his value in the squad as well. So... Um, well-deserving of the two two votes, I thought, for him. Um, and then I'll go Tyler Smith on debut for the one vote. I think he, he put, him, put himself about really well, really um, looked quite a quite a promising young player uh, on his debut for us. And, um, yeah, and look, I thought he was he was terrific, so I'll give him the, the one vote. Um, how, how did you say it? Um, yeah, look, pretty much the same. I think you could probably agree that the three would be uh, who I would pick, it would probably be a little bit 
sort of different. I think Huddleston probably shone a bit more than Ingram, and that's only because I think Ingram uh, did what he usually does uh, and, and did did a sort of good job. But I think at times there it showed um, with Huddleston, uh, I sort of felt a little bit that he had to spend a little bit of time almost helping Smith out a little. And I think it probably showed to me, or like I said, it, I don't think he had the best game he's ever played, but I really think if you look against pretty quality opposition, um, him and Smith, he, he spent a bit of time looking sort of sideways at to what Smith was doing. And I think when you said about his defensive cover, he really got in behind Smith a couple of times and helped him out. Matt um, Smith, you So mean? I think, yeah, sorry, Matt Smith. Yeah, that's, uh, we've, so we've, I think, got, we've got two, two Smiths on the... Uh, two, two I know, I should the, clarify that. <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, so I, I agree at the moment that, that, you know, Huddleston or Ingram probably raffled. Um, and, and I'd look, I'd say Smith up front would definitely be, uh, although, you know, I understand he didn't play the full 90 and came off a bit earlier, but I, there's something about him that reminds me um, a little bit of the way we ramped through that second half of last year where we had strikers who could just move to the right positions from, all over the shop and we just looked like, you know, there was games last year where in the first minute or two of the game we're already peppering. Um, and against some of the poorer teams, that's what we're going to need. We need guys who can stick the ball in the net on a consistent yeah, no, basis. It. Otherwise, we're going to play nil all draws against bottom teams too. Yeah, I think that's it. I think we've got to find that spark to to knock out, you know, for example, that Derby game losing 1-0. Um, Tyler Smith is the sort of player, as you're saying, that gives us that bit of spark to maybe – you know, get a goal or two and really turn that performance around. So, look, I think that's a, a really positive sign for him. And and sort of, I guess, on that topic, um, with the window closing, um, I wanted to get your thoughts on on how you th- how you felt the the window went as a whole for us. Were you sort of happy that um, – did you feel there was any sort of areas, I guess, that we lacked in that we didn't fill in the, in the, in the window? I mean, for me, I think probably an extra centre-back maybe would have been the only spot I could think of that we might have – tried to fill, but otherwise pretty happy with the business. Yeah, look, I think so. I think we probably all realistically sit there and sort of question, okay, where's the big signing? Um, But uh, there may even be a bit more maturity in the way we did the business this time, you know, with the the loans side of things as well. Um, You know, in the end, most of us that support the club want sustainability. We certainly don't want to get relegated. Um, but we want to make sure that the players we bring in aren't going to cost us for three or four years if we do, uh, and not to mention the fact that um, in the past it's very easy to throw money at new players and keep bringing them in. Uh, but I do like the fact as well that we've we've got a bit more youth in there as well. I think at times last year, and I know I've said it a few times towards the end of last season, there was games there where when Honeyman didn't play, we'd look different. And we've got to expect that sort of the older players and the, pretty much everyone in the squad's not going to last the whole season. And so that depth and youth side of things in that depth is probably really important. I, I probably expected a little bit more to be, to be honest, on in the wider positions. Um, I thought maybe even a winger that maybe could play on both sides, real sort of attacking side of things could probably do us uh, a little bit more. Um, but other than that, I don't think you can complain too much with the squad as far as the evenness goes. Uh, but I still felt that maybe we could have just done with 
potentially having someone, I mean, I know we brought Harry Wood in, but but I'm still sort of more thinking along the lines of someone who's a an out-and-out goal-scoring winger, which we have been spoiled with a few in the last, well, not so much last year, but in the last four or five years. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think Moncur's an interesting one. I think Moncur could be I mean, look, we've seen him played more through the midfield, I guess, because of Honeyman's injury so far. But I think when we first signed him, there was sort of talk that he could play in that more advanced position. But uh, between him and Longman and Williams, I just, yeah, I don't know if we, I haven't really seen enough of them yet to get a good sense of, of where they fit in the side. I'm, I'm not I'm not convinced that Williams will make the step up straight away. Like maybe he will, but, um, and look, we've only seen him a couple of times so far, but um it seems like we've, we've, we've brought in a lot of attacking players without really knowing where they would fit into the side. And as you say, mm. we don't have that sort of recognised goal-scoring winger that we've brought in. Like last season when we had Gavin White on loan from Cardiff and um, before that we had Adelican as well who both offered that attacking threat up forward. We, we haven't brought someone in like that, I don't think. But look, Longman, yeah. Longman could be that player. I, it's just hard to tell at this stage. I think Longman's quality... Um, and and I think uh, probably the only thing that I kept thinking of is, is obviously the way we sort of set up with those sort of two central midfielders and three sort of push forward against Bournemouth. We know that, you know, KLP is going to do it every day of the week. It was sort of like, well, if we had another, obviously, look, if we had another KLP, it'd be awesome. Uh, but if we had another player who could maybe even switch sides with KLP, just, you know, mix things up a bit. So if we do play one up top, we are always pushing. Um, and I think Longman's definitely got the capability to do a bit, but I, I sort of, maybe we're just spoiled a bit with the Grisickis of the world. You know, we had guys and, and Bowens where we, we played these guys pretty much anywhere in that final third not deep and they just popped up and scored and I think maybe that's a little bit of what I expected to find but Williams I think if I remember there was talk about whether wing he was more of a wing back anyway who's just yeah, that's pushed forward yeah. more often um, so that's sort of what I suppose instead of the wing back I would have preferred more of a uh, an out and out winger slash forward and look, I mean, we haven't seen Wilkes too much this season. I think he got injured yeah, true. on the opening day. So Wilkes could come back into the side and be that player who can can swap wings with um, KLP a little bit. Yep. Yeah, no, no, I agree. That That's true. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how we go with that one. Um, all right. Well, it's your first crack at our new triple flashback feature, which I, I gave you a little bit of a heads up before the episode started. <laughs> <laughs> You've done my head in already. <laughs> just, just just to give you a bit of warning, I didn't want to didn't want to um, uh, trip you up too much live uh, live during the episode. But I did tweet out before the episode began for anyone listening in to uh, try and have a guess for themselves. But Brad, I wanted to see if you could name the three players that we have shelled out the most money for. So the three highest uh, transfer fees paid by Hull City for players in our history. Um, and I can give you clues if you need them. Okay. Well. Um... I don't think I'll get this in order anyway. Um, and I del- as I said to you previous to the the show tonight, I definitely wanted to guess just to test my own methodology rather than do the old Google search. But um, I do remember um, Hernandez costing us quite a bit. So I would Correct, say he yeah. would have been up there. Um, and 
I think if I remember, it was about the same time, obviously, we got Huddleston and then Livermore, that they were up there as well. But by up there, I'm not saying they're definitely number one or two um, because I'm pretty sure Grisicki cost us a bit as well. Um, so at the moment, I might need a clue as to who definitely rounds out that top three, but I would say Hernandez definitely. Um, and then I think someone like, uh, I think we might have even paid more for Yelovic than Livermore or Huddleston. So uh, I think I'm probably getting close, but I bet you I've forgotten someone. So, so you're definitely on the right track with one of Huddleston and Livermore. Um, so Livermore actually cost more than Huddleston. He was eight million pounds. Huddleston was, I think, five or six million pounds. Oh, okay. But, but you were right on on Hernandez for number two. So Livermore was third. Hernandez was second for ten million. The first, who you haven't actually named in that group, cost us thirteen million pounds. It was the season <sighs> under Mike Phelan. Oh, okay. And he only played. He did play a bit under Marco, Marco Silva as well before being sidelined with injury. If that's a bit of a clue, has since um, left the club and managed at Tottenham. No, oh, it's got to be um, uh, Mason. There you go. Oh, yes, so he was the highest. Yeah, he was. was like, that's, a bit, that's, a, that's a bit obvious. Yeah, so, so Mason was 13 million pounds, which is um, wow. pretty remarkable yeah, when you think it, look, it's. It's a huge fee when you think that season that we went up and we obviously had the infamous game against Leicester with 11 fit players or 12 fit players yeah. or whatever it was, didn't spend anything in the window. And then I think even Marshall coming in, Marshall was like five or six million pounds as well. Yes. So we, we sort of didn't spend any money and then in the last couple of weeks of the window just went crazy and didn't even spend it very well. Um, well, it was good business for Spurs, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think for a couple of seasons we went what well, we went in for Huddleston, and then we went in the next year for Livermore, and then two seasons later went in for Mason. So they must have been pretty sad that we haven't been back up to the Premier League since then. That's, <laughs> that's like, true. Actually, I remember. So, how much did you say Marshall was? Marshall, I think he was five or six million. He would yeah. have been a bit as well. Um, but I think I we think obviously. Was... So you go, Matt. And I was just going to say, I think it was between him and Mason was the big fees. And then Henriksen was a little bit. And then it was like, um, uh, oh, what's what's their names? From We got Weir and someone else from United, who I'm forgetting, um, plays for Wigan now. He scored against us last season, I think. Um, the name will come to me. Um, Jeez, no, I can't remember his name. But yeah, there was the two. There was the two guys from United that came in as well that that summer. But it was just the weirdest sort of um, set of signings. And and actually, I just remembered as well. We got Ember uh, Carney in on loan that season and yes. national break because there's been so little football on. There's been the um, African um, World Cup qualifiers that start at like 10 p.m. And so I've been sort of following along with those. <laughs> and Ember Carney's playing in those and scoring a bunch of goals. And I'm like, that's that's just wow. amazing. It uh, is, isn't it? It's a very weird window. That it was not only a weird window. That period there. I mean, you look at who came in and who came out. The quality of some of those players was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. And you look at the. You look. I still look at the squad that we had when we got relegated that season. Um, and you, you're thinking, you know, that it's a backline that included Harry Maguire and Andy Robertson, um, Marshall in goal or Jakubovic in goal. Um, you know, you had. Um, 
uh, Ranocchia from Inter Milan on loan. You had Grizzly yeah. on a wing. <laughs> you had so many good players. And it's just, it's just, it's such a shame that, um, look, I think Phelan was probably a bit out of his depth, but you think if we'd had a silver or a decent manager a bit earlier in the, in the season, um, the squad itself wasn't actually that bad. It was just really mishandled. Yeah, look, I think it was. And I think someone, I mean, you'd remember we used to start the first podcast of the year with how many players have we actually got at training in the preseason squad. Is I think probably the biggest issue that year is, you know, we got off to such a good start against Leicester and looked like we were, you know, potentially going to go somewhere. Um, but it's the, it's the squad. You know, you're playing against teams, whatever it is, three games in a week around Christmas mm. time. And I think you end up copying like a, you know, I mean, everyone in that league is reasonable anyway, but you end up copying like Spurs and Man City in the same fortnight, but you've got injuries and it's generally, you know, one of your better players is out. And and I still remember, I think it was the, it might have been when we played Liverpool, I think. Well, we, we beat, we beat Liverpool, Liverpool at home. Niaz got the, got the winner. He did, that that's right, because he was on loan from Everton, so he was a hero. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like we weren't there or competitive, and I think it was only actually funny enough Everton that year that gave us a hiding. Um, yeah, oh, actually, no, and the Crystal Palace one was a disaster. That Palace was the, at the end of the season and Bournemouth at the start of the season, yeah. But, but yeah. We were very close in a lot of those start. games. Yeah. Uh, probably was, yeah, yeah. We just couldn't consistently beat those around us. And we made the, the League Cup semi-final that season as well, which is – crazy in itself when you think you know a side that went down in the manner that we did to make a league cup semi-final against united where i think we beat them in the second leg um uh yeah it was a, it was a it, it's still it's such a surreal season to look back on because and you know we had that game against i think it was middlesbrough that we won 4-2 or something where mcguire looked ridiculously good um yep. where you just think we had such a crazy it was such a patchy set of results where you just think if we'd had any sort of consistency of form, it could have been a completely different season. But um, And I think that yeah. was the hardest thing to swallow is that we weren't really close. Yeah. We, we still had our chances towards the end, you know, the right result going one way or another. But a mate of mine who's a Watford supporter still reminds me about the fact that he doesn't think Watford won a game in the last two months and yet they still avoided relegation. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that shows you how bad things were at the time. But, look, I'm, uh, I'm glad we reminisced on that, mate, because I would never have thought of Mason at the top of the tree. You just forget about it. It's, it's almost it's, like it's, Bullard. It's, yeah, and uh, it was Will Keane that I was thinking of as the guy that we signed from United as, as well. Ah, he's, yes. He's still yeah. Um, yeah, okay. There you go. Anyway, Has it's a good segue. Still? Yeah, I, I think he's still, probably still rocking the man bun. It was a very... Yeah distinctive thing but no look it's a good segue <laughs> we, we, we beat Swansea at the start of that season and we do have Swansea as our next opponent in the league um Russell Martin is their manager and correct me if I'm wrong did I think Russell Martin might have played for them at, at the time um I, I think he was a former Swansea player unless I'm thinking I know he was at Norwich I can't remember if he was at Swansea as well but um he's taken over at Swansea from Steve Cooper this summer I think he he moved to Swansea from MK Dons quite late in the window um a lot of talk about the fact that he has quite a he has a style of play that's very Swansea esque. He likes a lot of you know keeping the ball on the pitch, possession game, um, which is very much what Swansea are known for. Um, 
became in quite late. So it might take them a little while to get that style um, sorted out. Um, the last time we played them was that 4-4 uh, two seasons ago when we just signed a whole bunch of players. Wilkes had come in. Uh, Madison had come in from Peterborough. They all got on the score sheet. Eve's got like a 95th minute equaliser and celebrated like it was, uh, you know, the World Cup <laughs> final winner. Um, so it was a pretty frantic game in that one as well. But um, look, it's been an interesting start to the season for them. I think they've got two wins in their first five games um, of the season. So, uh, you know, it's an opportunity there. It's 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 probably our first opponent since Derby and then before that Preston that's really a, a gettable game for us. We've had a few tough fixtures in between. So um, it's a real chance to to sort of bounce back. It's been the international break. Um, I guess another aspect to talk about as well, which we, we should probably talk about before the game, but we can talk about while we talk about the game, is Callum Elder, of course, playing for the Socceroos as well. So he'll be coming back into the squad pretty high spirits. Um, it's a good opportunity to try and get three points. Look, it is. And, and I think probably the one thing that, um, that we always like to think these sorts of games are the ones that we will pinch points and Oh, the only thing that I think probably is different at the moment is it may just be that, and again, talking just back to Bournemouth, a nil all draw against Bournemouth where you barely get a shot on target doesn't sound exciting, but it was still Bournemouth. And they didn't exactly play us off the park. They might be a bit annoyed that they couldn't break us down or whatever, but there's, there's probably a lot more positive out of that result than what a nil all what sounds like a dull draw might actually sound like. And I think probably the only thing for us that's going to hold us in good stead is if we can take points against teams that are going to be somewhat frustrated, it shows a lot of the discipline that we've got. And I think probably that's what we're going to need against teams like Swansea, especially when they're, like you mentioned, they're trying to blend with a new manager and new formation and all of these sorts of things. Those well-drilled well-organised teams are probably the ones that are going to find it easier to break those sorts of teams down, I would hope. Yeah, certainly. Um, so, look, it's a, it's a pretty good opportunity for us. And um, I guess just on, on Callum Elder, I mean, it was great to see him play in the first game of the international break against, uh, was it against China, I think we played? And then um, was was unlucky uh, not to get on the pitch last night against Vietnam, but um, great to see him debut for, for Australia. Yeah, look, absolutely, and I think probably the we already know how good he is, um, and most people in Australia probably don't really know how good he is. Uh, but I think at the moment, anyway, the fact that he, he's getting those games in against who we would say is the bigger opposition, uh, and not looking out of place, um, is is great. So um, yeah, it is. I think it's definitely going to hold him in good stead. Definitely. Yeah, no, absolutely. It'll it'll fill him with confidence, and it it's been um, really unfortunate that, for instance, he he didn't get to um, travel with the Socceroos over the um, summer break because of that injury that he sustained at the end of last season. He seems to have been quite unlucky a couple of times with injuries. Um, so it's good to see him finally get that breakthrough against China, um, and then yeah, we'll come back to the squad, you know, full of confidence and and really pumped up for the game against Swansea. Um, I guess the other positive as well is that Wilkes and Honeyman should be back fit with the squad for this game. Um, really makes uh, selections a bit interesting, especially in that midfield with um, Honeyman coming back in because, I mean, you'd, I guess you'd sort of assume that, that Doherty and Honeyman are, are the sort of the natural first-choice picks, but 
who who would you sort of see as potentially that third? And I think Moncur's suspension's now over as well. So so he's another one to potentially come back into that trio um, with everyone fit and firing, I guess. So so how would you see us line up in that that middle three? Um, look, it's probably interesting, and and I think it's it sort of. The, the game against Bournemouth, clearly I think McCann basically said we're playing sort of that holding two more so than, you know, the holding one and then the two wider midfielders. And I think uh, obviously the formation that McCann's, he's not necessarily that adventurous with his formations anyway, but if he does stick with the same sort of uh, structure as he started with Bournemouth, um, I can probably see that Honeyman might not just come straight back in. Um, and I love him. I'm one of his biggest fans, but I still think as well that there's a bit there that, I mean, Honeyman's got real pace. He's real box-to-box, whereas Huddleston doesn't look as box-to-box, even though he does cover a bit more ground than we think. Um, I can see how at the moment he probably won't tweet that that Christmas tree so much uh, by just rushing Honeyman back in. But like you said, with Moncur's back from suspension, I think it all comes down to how fit they really are. Um Huddleston got some miles in the legs, looked pretty good, didn't look out of place. Do, do you really tinker with that too much? Um, yeah. Or do you need to say, look, Honeyman's pace, a little bit of creativity on the on the feet of the defensive midfielders rather than longer balls or sweeping balls is probably a better way to go. So I, I honestly don't know. I'd say McCann's probably not going to ring too many changes. I think deep down McCann was really happy with last week. Yeah, um, or the weekend before last, I should say. So I don't think he's going to tinker too much unless he's got something in his kit bag about the way to beat them and this is how we've got to do it. Yeah, and I think as well the way that Swansea are going to play with that more possession-style game, someone like a Huddleston will actually be quite good to break up their tempo and, and sort of control the passing from our perspective. So could be quite valuable in that sense. Um I guess the only thing I'd say in Honeyman's favour And just on that, mate, one thing that's been really interesting, sorry, sorry, mate, one thing that has been really interesting is Swansea Swansea have leaked goals. Mm. So if if it's really about getting three points, you might just find that there's a little bit more of a forward impotence in the way that McCann puts this squad together because he wants to actually get them on the hook early and, and snatch one early to really put them on the back foot. Yeah, um, and we're not yeah. talking about top of the league teams either. We're saying, you know, yeah. I think three or four goals a couple of times in the last three or four games. So, um, yeah, they're a bit vulnerable. Yeah, certainly. And, and I think the other aspect to think about with Honeyman in particular is um, the set piece potential that he was really strong on set pieces for us last season. And it feels as if we haven't offered too much of a threat from set pieces this season. Um, so throwing him back, in, I mean, I granted that Huddleston's probably another one that could take a decent set piece for us, but um, throwing Honeyman back into the side, for, even just for his corners and, and set pieces, might just open another avenue of attack for us. Look, it could. And the one thing you still remember is, you know, when our team was in form last year, Honeyman was a rock. I yep. think he played 35-something-plus games. He was, the, I mean, he was a machine. And that's sort of still very much what we need in the middle of the park now more than even we needed last year. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And and it'll be really, and I sort of said this last season as well, it's going to be really fascinating to see how Honeyman goes in the championship this season. Um, I think he sort of struggled a little bit towards the end of our relegation season, as in fairness did pretty much every player on the park for us. 
Um, but he's really yep. got a lot of confidence from last season and he's really started to look like a leader and a player for us. So to see how he takes that step up will be really interesting to see. Yeah, um, no, I yeah. agree. And I think that's that's a pretty fair point. Yeah. Um, what, what's your what's your score prediction for this one? Um, look, we're playing away. So I think there's always this thing about when you're away, maybe you're a bit more free-spirited. Um, I don't know. I still think that we're better than we've been showing in recent weeks, although the, the, the Bournemouth result, like I said, I didn't think was was too bad. I think Swansea are actually probably a – I just – I don't know. I, I find them defensively a little bit leaky, so I think I'm going to say we're going to beat them 2 or 3-1. Well, I, I think in the spirit of talking about that 16-17 season where we went to Swansea and won 2-0, I'll, uh, I'll go 2-0 for this one. I think I could see us doing them over um, as an echo of that game. It would be nice to see. So, yeah, I'll go 2-0. Um, very good. Very good, yeah. No, looking forward to that one in particular. Um, we do also have a game against Blackburn midweek next week, which will be good. It's it's um, it's a really interesting set of two fixtures, I think, Swansea and Blackburn, because in a very similar way, Blackburn have also had a bit of a tumultuous off-season with um, Adam Armstrong going up to, or I should say down to Southampton, um, and, and not as far as I've seen, not really brought anyone in to replace him. Um, sort of, they've got the rebranded Brereton Diaz, formerly just Ben Brereton, but, you know, this, you know, embraced his mother's <laughs> Chilean heritage to be Brereton Diaz now. And it's, 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 it's the old, it's the old footballing cliche of, you know, it's like a new signing because from all reports, he's come into that Blackburn side this season and looks a different player and he's been a really potent attacking force for them. So he, he sort of, carrying the weight of that Blackburn squad on his shoulders. So um, that'll be an interesting game as well. I think there's a lot riding on it for Blackburn. I think supporters are sort of starting to run out of patience with Mowbray. Um, so that could be an interesting fixture and an interesting sort of context to the fixture in itself. Um, but I did I did, I did notice sort of looking it up that they've won their last four games against us, which, um, I mean, you know, obviously squads have changed a lot since those days, but... Um, always a nice sort of streak to break and, and get a result against them if we can. But h- how do you see this one? Um, I'm interestingly a bit more worried about the Blackburn game than the Swansea game. Um, and it's not to say that Swansea are, you know, a poorer club or anything like that. It's more just the fact that the way Blackburn is sort of setting up, and I know Mowbray's under pressure, but they've consistently scored a couple of goals when they've played. Um, they have actually... I don't think they've had a clean sheet all year. But the one thing against us is that, you know, defensively we've been pretty sound, but we've struggled to score. And I think, if anything, Blackburn's the team where it may go a little bit against what we're used to, but we're going to have to be a real counter-attack type side um, for 90 minutes against them. I just think Mowbray's throwing everything he can forward. I mean, the signings he has made are, are all that, sort of maybe potentially the winger that we were looking for. Um, not that I'm saying I'd sign any of their players in a heartbeat, but nearly all the signings he's got um, uh, recently, other than I think there was one defender he got from Brighton, he he's sort of trying to really throw things around a little bit. Um, and probably the thing that I thought was most interesting, just going back through some of their results, is they, they they've, I think they've scored in every game this year. Um and so for me, it's like, well, 
that's the team that really we know they're going to score one, so we've got to score two, and that seems to be our problem. Whereas Swansea, I think they're still not as settled. We, we can break them a little bit. Um, I still have this feeling that maybe Blackburn are going to be harder to – they might open up more, but we're going to be under more pressure. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think that's that's a that's a fair point. And, yeah, look, just looking at it myself, um, no wonder I didn't think they'd really replaced Armstrong. They've only brought in one permanent signing, which is a left-back. So, you know, granted they've brought in a couple of um, loan signings as well from the Premier League in, in a couple of Liverpool, Leeds and Brighton players. But, um, yeah, I, I would think there's a bit of pressure mounting at Blackburn or a bit of impatience mounting from the supporters as well. So um, it'll be a danger game in that sense. Um, I think... There's a lot riding on it for both sides. Um, I think personally, looking at these two fixtures, if we could pick up four points, that'd that'd almost be a best case scenario. I don't think we'll be able to get the six points out of the games. Obviously, that'd be fantastic if we can. But um, I think four points is probably a pretty reasonable hope for these two. I'd say. Oh, definitely, mate. I, I would even say, just just the way these two games look, you know, both away, a few days apart. I, I think we. Four points would be great. Uh, I think even two or, or two, yeah, yeah, two or three would be you know job done. But potentially because we think that you know these are these these are the games we've got to just pick something up from. Yeah, that's right, and I think that's that's the main thing looking at these two games as opposed to the the Fulham and the Bournemouth games and things like that, where you look at these games, these are sides that'll be around us in the table and. Getting, getting early points on the board against them like we did against Preston will be pretty invaluable for setting up our season. Oh, look, agree, mate. And, and just, just to hammer home your point there, the fact that they don't get three yeah. is, is just as important here as well. So the fact that we could play both of them and maybe draw both, get two, well, that's the same level playing field against them anyway. So, And, and I think you're right. I think Blackburn aren't necessarily going to be well beaters. Mind you, their form guide's not too bad. Um, it's still the fact that they're they're sort of rocking and rolling a bit. Mm, mm, no, that's it. Um, so it's going to be a very interesting game. So I guess we're sort of maybe predicting a 1-1 in this one as, as sort of a, a hopeful scenario, I guess, going off the... Yeah, I think so. Yeah. By the same score? Yep, definitely. Fair enough. Well, look, it's going to be an interesting couple of games to look forward to. So thank you for uh, for joining me to to chat about them. Thanks for having me, mate. No worries. And thank you, everyone, for listening in to another episode of the Tigers Down Under. Uh, We've got two great games to look forward to. Hopefully we can get a result in both of them and start rocketing up the table. Uh, But until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. This is on fire. We're going higher and higher. There's no turning back, cause you're Amber and Black till you die.